Howdy, BHR Sears. You can find every episode of Why People on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, or wherever else you get your podcast content. On this episode of Why People, episode number 14, we'll talk to Kelly Morse, who's the Chief People Officer at Bullhorn. Uh, one of the coolest backgrounds and has been at some of the coolest tech companies uh, in the Boston area. Uh, we'll get a good chance to hear all about Kelly, so stay tuned. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the latest episode of the Why People podcast, episode number 14. Uh, for those folks tuning in for the first time, Why People is a Boston HR Council production. The, the BHRC is one of the largest HR executive communities in the world with uh, over a thousand active uh, CHRO, Chief People Officer, and VP of HR members. Uh, I want to introduce uh, co-founder of the BHRC and co-host of Why People, Paul Roberts. Thank you, Sean. Good day to all. Very excited for one of my favorite BHRCers today. Can't wait to get to it. Thanks, Paul. And uh, and excited to, uh, to introduce Kelly Morse, the Chief People Officer at Bullhorn. Kelly, thanks for joining us. Hey, guys. I'm excited to be here. Ready to have an awesome discussion. Yeah, us too. Super excited. We'll, and we have to cop on the fact that we're we're pretty tight with Kelly, so this will be a lot of fun for us. So, Kelly, uh, I know you've seen or you've heard a little bit of these, but you haven't, you know, been a, a full-time follower along of the podcast. So, uh, just to kind of, you know, keep you, um, you know, grounded in how how we'll go through this here is really keep the same cadence. We we start kind of, you know, learning about um, uh, the uh, the guests' background. Uh, we talk a little bit about current day and about what's going on relative to the function right now. And then we spend some time, you know, thinking about the future and, and, and asking for some advice. So please, you know, kick us off. Tell us a little bit about uh, Kelly Morris and, and how the story starts. Yeah. So um, it's great to be here. I am uh, Kelly Morris. And I think, you know, we don't need to go so far back as when I was a baby, but I am a uh, born and raised in Minnesota girl. Uh, so, you know, Midwestern at my core and moved out to Boston about, uh, 17 years ago, if you can believe it. And, uh, what I always say is found my people and my speed and have been here ever since. So have looked back and have really been able to make an awesome career out here with some of the different companies that have been, um, headquartered here. And now that we're kind of more of a remote environment, um, you know, maybe Boston isn't as core anymore, but still is true to my heart. Well, thanks for that background, Kelly. And, uh, and you know, a question or, or kind of a conversation we always like to start with is we love to ask the question, Kelly, um, and you can go as far back as you want or, or get as detailed as you want, but thinking about where you're at now, right? A chief people officer um, at, at Flywire, you know, one of the you know leading tech companies really, you know, um, you know, across the world, definitely in, in fintech. But can you reverse engineer and tell us a little bit about maybe when you knew or even understood what HR was? Was there any kind of in school? You know, was it a course? Was it someone you looked up to? Just curious on when that when that bone 
you know, started ticking for you a little bit? Yeah, I think that's a great question. And I'm actually, um, when you say reverse engineer, I think that's the only way you can explain sort of my career. In college, I was a communications theory major, which isn't like normal communications. It was the theory of it. Um, I didn't really have a strong path or place that I knew I wanted to go. So I got an internship in college and I was doing contract recruiting for an events marketing company nationwide. And I did that for a couple of years. So there was kind of a little hint into HR, you know, in terms of the recruiting and all of that. But really, I considered myself like someone who worked for an events management company. When I moved out to Boston, I took a total career path. It was hard to find a job. And so there's a ton of agencies out here who were hiring for executive assistants. And so I kind of chased a little bit of money for a bit. And I worked at hedge funds for about a year and got some really interesting experience there. And again, kind of sucked up everything I could. I was there for about a year. And then I moved over to um, Hill Holiday as an executive there, uh, executive assistant there. And I spent four years there. And I loved Hill. And I think Hill was really important for me in seeing what a culture of a company could be like. They have a really, really really strong culture, very human um, company. And I think that's, to me, where I started to kind of see some more of that, like, cultural awakening, if you will, from an HR perspective. I also got to run some development programs. Again, I was just picking up everything I could when I was in that EA role. And so, um, you know, I got to work on this program called 4A's. It's a rising advertising star program. And so that's kind of like got me into like thinking about people development. So that's probably my earliest intro into HR. And then I got my MBA and, you know, had a focus on org change, um, which I found to be really interesting. So I think that's kind of like when it started, but I wasn't in an HR career path, if you will, at that point, but I was just picking up everything I could trying to learn and see what I liked. And so that's kind of how I ended up you know, really being more attracted to, to HR type things. And then I kind of shifted my career after that. Wow. That's, um, that's really interesting, Kelly. And, and I'm, and I'm curious, whenever we chat with, with your peers, everyone's kind of foray into, into HR in general is kind of unique and always like seems to start out, I'm going to say untraditional, but if you hear it 15 times in a row, it ends up being, I guess, somewhat traditional. Did you know in the time, you know, in that EA role, did you, did you know that, that what you were doing was HR or did it just feel like more of expanded duties? Like, what did that feel like? I didn't know HR per se. Like, I didn't have a ton of like, I had HR friends, but like, I didn't understand what the function really was. I just knew I liked things that involved people and like people development. And, you know, in the executive assistant role, you need to build a lot of relationships you work with a lot of executives. You have to understand how the business runs. And and I think I I tell a lot of folks earlier in their career, like, it doesn't matter what role you're in. There's opportunity to, like, absorb so much. And I did that in my EA role. I learned how to work with executives. I learned what they thought about. Um, and I think it was instrumental in sort of, you know, the hockey stick that was my path when I sort of got into HR officially. So, but it's hard. To, I'll, I'll tell you, it's hard to break in um, executive assistants can be paid very nicely. And so I knew that breaking in would have to be, I couldn't take a pay cut just because I was, you know, single woman living on my own. Um, so I kind of had to like come in through a, a different route. And so I was very specific about finding an EA role for an HR head because I knew once I got in and worked alongside a, you know, a head of HR, chief people officer, that that would give me career opportunity. And, and that's what I did. So that was probably the most 
um, intentional thing I've done in my career to get myself kind of on that HR path. Hockey stick analogy, another sign you're from Minnesota. I know, right? And that's not, actually, it sounds a little egotistical, but I think if you, if you look at my entire career, I think, you know, my true HR experience only been the last 10 or 12 years. So I've had a nice, a nice rise and it's, it's a testament, I think, not to sound like a bragger, but like to myself, but also the great companies that I've worked for. Well, Paul brought us back to Minnesota and, and it's a good, I think it's a good place to take a quick pause here. Love that you kind of gave a shout out to, to where you, you know, where you were born or, or and grew up. Like does anybody, and, and now that Flywire, you know, where you work now is really, you know, national, global, you guys do business all over the place. Does anybody ever say they can see, you know, the, the Minnesota in you? Like, is there any, you know, any qualities or characteristics that someone says, you know, oh, oh, now I see it, Kelly, like anything that sticks out? Yeah, there's a, uh, there's, um, sometimes I have some funny sayings that I don't realize are like funny sayings that only Minnesota people know. Is this a profanity? Okay. Podcast or. Yeah. Okay. So there's, so I hear it sometimes when I have these sayings, right? So there's this saying in Minnesota, like, oh, we went out and we were like whipping shitties. And it's like, you're like, you know, taking your car out for like spins. And so I have some coworkers that are like whipping shitties, you know, it's like every once in a while, a little phrase, you'll come out and they'll be like, that is so Minnesota. <laughs> but no, I think I, I think, like I said, like the East coast, the pace, you know, the more direct personality style is just a little bit more my jam. Not to say all of my Minnesota people, but. Um, did did you, you follow uh, Randy Moss? Was that timing the same? You guys come out here together from Minnesota? And KG. Wow. Oh, yeah. I brought Big a three. Moss, KG, and Kelly. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome, everybody. I, <laughs> I conned them in. But uh, no, my Patriots jersey actually is a Moss jersey, so. <laughs> Great. A uh, great BHRC meme in the making here, like the big three, you know, like Kelly, KG, and and Randy. Wow, this is great. I mean, legit, right? Yeah, <laughs> and I've I've never heard that term from Minnesota, Kelly, and and I'm I'm assuming I, I know out here in Boston that probably means something entirely different, you know, like <laughs> donuts here, right? Essentially, it's our donuts doing a donut in the parking lot. Yeah, exactly. That's what it is. Yeah, yeah. Whipping shitty smells better. Yeah, yeah. Well, Kelly, I mean, we're in a pretty good spot here understanding, you know, kind of, I'd say your early career. Tell us a little bit about, you know, once you started doing, you know, more of these projects and then started kind of digging in a little bit, you know, what did it look like for you to say, oh, I, this HR thing, like, this is what I'm interested in. And, and then maybe a second part to that is when did you start to define a little bit, like, like what a career path could and would look like? Yeah. So once I got that EA role, it was at a startup um, biotech company. Um, it was on a pretty big, like, you know, growth trajectory. And so it um, was working for the head of HR there. I think I had three or four promotions um, in my time there. It was really cool because we, I think I was employee like 52. And in my four years, I think we grew to like 350 or something like that. So if you think about like a company at its stage, at 52 people versus, you know, you got to build all that infrastructure and that's, and, and, you know, try to scale up. That to me was like a really fun challenge of people, process, structure, framework, like, and, and building a culture. Um, and so it was really fun to kind of learn from, you know, some of the more experienced HR people and kind of watch that in action and then, you know, be part of a small enough team. And so that's why I really got hooked. It's like the stuff is, I love the building and the, evolving and and um 
And I understood the business and I think I built a lot of relationships. And so I was like, oh, I can make something of this year. So we, that company did a major layoff and actually deprioritized HR. And I included myself in that layoff. Um, I went out, I had a baby. And then as I was thinking about what was next, I had a, co a colleague that I had worked with who had become a good friend of mine and she was going out to have a baby. And she said, we're looking for someone to cover my mat leave. And so um, she was like, it's mostly focused on learning and development. And, uh, and then we enter Flywire. So that was my foray into Flywire. It was really just covering a mat leave for a friend while I figured out like what was next. And like from me there, Flywire was this like really cool combination of like startup, high growth, culture focused, good leadership, and a chance to like help build out um, a strong infrastructure in HR um, that focused on people. And so that was like a very, very, very fun journey. Well, it sounds like it. And appreciate you kind of going into the detail there about, you know, kind of the ebbs and flows that happen kind of in, in that world, right? Startup, like, you know, life science, technology. I mean, we're, you know, it's, it's, it's happening all the time. So curious, Kelly, someone like you that, that is such a, you know, well-respected person in the, in the HR and people space, have you ever, and, and you said the word, right? You said, decide to deprioritize HR, you know, being in the technology and life science space, and we're familiar with it here in Boston, um, it's a little bit of a different ecosystem in the sense that a lot of times, you know, it is founder led at certain times and, you know, people's own, you know, sometimes their own investment is into it, right? So figuring out where to invest, you know, uh, institutionally um, is is something that, that people are challenged with. How have you overcome or how have you thought through how the role or how the function is prioritized in different places that you've been? Yeah, it's interesting because when it's not prioritized, you can tell immediately. And that's where someone like myself runs into a lot of obstacles, right? And a lot of pushback. So, you know, after Flywire, I left because it had it had grown and, you know, I just it was it was time for me to kind of try something new. And so I took a head of HR role at a at a AI health tech company. And that was probably the most challenging time in my career because as much as everyone sort of said, you know, oh, HR and people are in priority, when you get down to it, that I, I like stroll. It was like an uphill battle. It was like rolling a rock like up a hill. And so I didn't last there for a long time. Um because it's really hard because I think when you know the magic of HR and the impact and, you know, I say HR, it's so outdated, but the people function, the people function can have an incredible impact on the business and make executives lives easier and make the business run better. And so when you get out of that environment, you go and you're constantly receiving like pushback, it just is like no fun. And it doesn't matter the industry, right? There's industries, it's agnostic. There's companies that really care and prioritize and put their money where their mouth is. And there's companies that say it and don't stand up to it. And so I think it's not an industry specific thing, I think you'll find it, you know, across the board in any industry. Yeah. And so this is kind of a great point now, right? So appreciate you kind of bringing us through and, and the, you know, the fly wire part of your journey was, was really neat to, to watch. And, you know, Paul and I have been fortunate to kind of watch Bullhorn do some really amazing things um, in the last, you know, I think of it in, in my, you know, simple brain, I, I, I think of like a, the last three years, like, man, that, that, 
the, what you guys have done has been pretty remarkable. But just tell us a little bit about you know getting started there and and how how your path kind of came to where it is right now. Yeah. So this is a, another piece I love to share this part of my career because again I thought I was being really intentional. So. I mentioned that health tech company. I realized it wasn't the right fit for me. I was also pregnant with my third child. And so I knew that this sort of crazy startup world, I couldn't keep pace with any morning. And, and I knew I needed to make a change. And I had done startups and they can be a lot, right? They take a lot out of you. They're super fun, but they're also um, sometimes exhausting. And so I knew I wanted to go work for a bigger company. So I went out on my search and I came across two companies, one, a small startup where I would have been the head of people and Bullhorn. And Bullhorn was a step back in my career, if you will. Um, it was a HR business partner role in a larger team. And so I got two very significant offers that were great. I really struggled to pick one. And I said, stop doing what you've been doing, right? Like I've read this startup chapter before. So I went with Bullhorn. And I've talked about this internally with some of our executives. But right after I started, again, I was four or five months pregnant. The chief people officer role, the, the person that I had come to work for, left. And um, I was really disappointed in that because I had come to work for that person. Um, and so we had some tumultuous times with a new chief people officer. And I really wanted to leave, but I was pregnant because it was not the intentional career path that I had like wanted so badly. So this is in 2020. Um, I'm sure you all, you know, get a little, uh, you, have, you have your own memories of that, right? So mine was uh, dealing with COVID and all of that. And then also this like leadership change that just was not the right fit for me. Um, and also being, you know, six months pregnant at that point. So I wanted to leave. I was like, I'm done with Bullhorn. I'll probably just have my baby and we'll head out. And then that leader left and we got put underneath someone else internally. And I am so glad I stuck around because Bullhorn, I think just has like a lock and key fit for me from a culture perspective. And I've just like, it brings out the best in me. I think I've, I've been able to have an incredible impact. We've transformed the HR team in terms of how the business sees us. Um, and so I've had a lot of opportunity to just put forth all the things that I've learned in my path and put them into practice. And um, the executive team, my fellow colleagues, like just it was needed in the business and accepted. And I barely hit any obstacles since then. So four promote, I think three or four promotions later, uh, I'm at the chief people officer role sitting on the exec team now. So sometimes I think like, oh my God, what if I hadn't been pregnant? I would, I probably would have just quit. Like, and I'm so glad I didn't. So I often say like my third child, Mallory, like saved me from myself, my own like flight instincts and I stuck with it. And so I like to give that career advice to people. There's been times in my career where I've just wanted to like give up and, and I didn't this time and it like so worked out for me. Yeah. What, I mean, what a cool, what a cool story. Uh, and geez, you know, every, every one of your peers we talked to, Kelly, the, you know, the different forks in the road, the, you know, could have zigged, but I zagged and, and, and all of those things. Like it always seems to, to matter. It seems to mat, you know, to, to add up. And, and really sometimes we talk to folks that say, oh, I, I, I took a left turn and quickly found out that I was going the wrong way and, and did the three point turn. But, but mostly people's, intuition or, or whatever is pulling them seems to pull them in the right direction, uh, which I think is is pretty cool. And, and hearing you talk about Bullhorn, you know, one of the things I had written down um, in my prep notes was you, we chat with you, whether it's, you know, out at a BHRC event or about 
maybe not the most exciting HR components in the world, right? Like whenever we talk to you, we can, I can really tell like your, your full personality kind of comes out in the way that you lead your team and the way that you support Bullhorn. Like, you know, tell us if you don't mind, can you tell us a little bit about like how you're able to, to do that and, 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 you know, how, you know, what the safety is there that kind of lets you do, you know, your, your own thing to the best of your ability. Yeah. I think, you know, for me, it comes back to the Bullhorn core values. I know a lot of companies have core values and, you know, I've been preaching on my whole life. Bullhorn's core values are embedded in how we operate. And so be human is one of them, right? Give people the benefit of the doubt, like bring yourself to work. And so they're also speed and agility and ownership. Those are also things that resonate with me. But like be human allows me to just like pull down any polish and facade that like, you know, being an executive you think you might need to have and just allows me to like, let us cut through the crap and like just talk and be transparent with each other and all of that. So I think for me, those core values underline like are just how we we operationalize. It makes me feel like comfortable being myself because yes, I do have a very, very big personality. I am uh, loud and energetic and I'm a cheerleader and I swear a lot and uh, I get fired up. And, and I think, you know, my team understands and people who know me understand like that it comes from just like a passionate place. Um, and so it's not like Kelly, you need to tone it down. It's like, that's Kelly. And, you know, she brings it. But I do really care about, you know, you can call me HR things, you can call them people things. But like, how cool is it that my job is about ensuring that employees at Bullhorn have an incredible employee experience? Like, that's awesome. That's really cool. And it hits so many different things, right? It's a in-person, it's a virtual, it's benefits, it's pay, it's growth. You know, it's understanding what their own career path is. It's mentorship. It's guidance. Like, those are all awesome programs. And I actually don't understand why everyone doesn't want to be in HR. Like, why wouldn't you want to focus on all those things? Here we go. I know. Paul's like, I don't want to be in HR. <laughs> that would not be good for anybody, Kelly. I think we know. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I just think, like, again, I talk about culture fit. There's a lot of different kinds of culture out there. And Bullhorn, I think, has an amazing culture and it works for so many of our employees. So I always tell people, if like you feel like you're fighting uphill, like the, the values just don't resonate with you, like that's okay. There's a company out there that probably has values that line up with yours. And and once you find it, it's just, it's a great fit. Well, it, it, it's, it's fun to hear you talk about that, Kelly, because you know, we've had the, the chance to get to know some of your team and, and it you can kind of feel that all the way throughout your whole team. You know, I you have some really, you know, amazing team members uh, and they they kind of operate the same exact way, you know, uh, very much, you know, great personalities and, and seemingly able to have a whole lot of fun and do a whole lot of very important work kind of like hand in hand. That's pretty, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think we do. I think we do. So, all right. So this has been really neat to kind of learn and understand how you've you know, got to the chief people officer position at Bullhorn, which is a, you know, a, a highly regarded company here in Boston and, and across the, the globe. We like to pivot here kind of in the in the tail end of the conversation to think a little bit about the future. So sitting in your seat now, you know, how you're thinking about things, the things that you're working on, what's kind of top of mind as you think about not just your role, but just the function in general as we, you know, move forward the next three, five, 10 years? Yeah, I think, you know, top of mind for me next year is pay transparency. You know, we're going to have a lot more laws that, you know, sort of push us in that direction. But I do think it's a good thing. Um, I'm personally kind of excited about that. And, and pay transparency is a spectrum, right? Pay transparency doesn't mean like you tell everyone what everyone makes. 
but it's just the kind of like demystifying the whole comp thing for folks, which I think can be really, you know, leveling in terms of the playing fields for folks and, and just understanding. And I think there's a lot more benefits that will come from employees when you sort of pull down the black box and kind of let everybody behind the curtain a little bit. So I think that's going to be a good thing over the next couple of years for the HR function and how it will have a really, I think, will have a really direct impact on employee engagement and 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 how they feel about, you know, their compensation and their pay and their future and things like that. I was just going to ask, um, do you consider yourself a comp person, Kelly? I've uh, we've, we've chatted with a lot of folks. Some people... Um, Love it. Some people love it, but geez, the the financial science behind it is 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 a lot. Like, where do you where do you put yourself on that spectrum? I love it. Um, I really love it. It kind of like satisfies this like analytical side of my brain. That's not a. It's look. I'm not like super analytical, but I like I like it to a certain point. So it really satisfies that. But I think for me. In a couple companies now, I've been able to go out and build out a compensation framework. And I think, you know, some people could be really intimidated by that and say, oh, I don't know that. But like if, if you understand the basics and you understand your culture and where you're at, you can put together a framework that works for your company that that gets in 90 percent of the way there. And so I have one woman on my team. Um, she's hybrid and does a lot of other things, too. And her and I are kind of the, the comp people. And I love working on it. I love working on it. I did make a joke to my CEO recently of like, you know, art is like super smart. And we were talking about comp and and he was throwing out terms. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, <laughs> that's beyond my like ability to understand. And so um, I think I know my limitations. And I think I'm on an honest enough at some point that I'll probably be able to get over to a certain point And then we may need to like bring in some experts to help. But I love it for now. And I think I can get it 90% of the way you know, that has the most impact. Yeah. I mean, compensation um, is, is a, to me, it's a fun one because it's obviously very important. It's important at all organizations. You know, it's, it's something that's uh, uber sensitive to people across the board, but when you dig into it, a lot of times, you know, the compensation, you know, whatever that number or numbers or bands, you know, whatever that data is, is really kind of the end of the formula, and it's it's really the the inputs relative to that that are, are are the interesting pieces in it. You know what I mean? And uh, yeah, whenever anyone brings up compensation or pay transparency, I kind of perk up a little bit because, again, like you, Kelly, I'm analytical, but not the most analytical. Um, yeah. But it certainly is a cool conversation because um, I, I've yet to chat about anything that moves the needle across the board more than 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 that. So. Uh, yeah, and I, I think the other thing that's really interesting to me is I love looking at the data and then cutting it and trying to find like, you know, one of the big things that I look at is like once we run all of it is like, do we have, you know, inequity anywhere and why? Um, so for me, that's part of the like, let's take the data and like, what's it telling us? And are there outliers? And then going in and getting to like dig in and understand that. And then solve for it if it's an issue. And I love doing that. And so we've been doing that about twice a year now. And I personally do it because I just, it's like, I love it. I love, I love it. So we'll kind of pivot now towards the end of the conversation, Kyle. This has been a blast. Uh, and even, you know, Paul and I know you pretty well. And, you know, got a whole bunch of nuggets here that I didn't know. So we're, this is recording um, at, right at the end of the year in, in, in 2023. Um, 
and uh, and uh, we published this now in the middle of January of 2024. But a question for you is, and, and kudos to you and, and some of your uh, peers, but the the Boston HR Council has been a pretty you know well known community now for the past four years. There's been a lot of interest, and in, and as such, we've had a lot of folks that are earlier on in their careers reach out to us and say, hey. Uh, the HR and people folks that you um, you hang around with and that you spotlight and then you chat with, that seems like a really cool uh, career. I, I, I didn't know so much. Now, I guess the joke, somewhat the joke is Paul and I always have to say, well, you know, they do a lot more than just party and hang out at Celtics games and uh, and things like that. We just that's just what we post on LinkedIn. But but in all seriousness, that we there a lot of folks um, in the New England area have reached out to us that are interested in kind of getting into the profession. The, the question, though, is, Kelly, and again, um, I rooted folks with where we are, timeline here, rec- recording late in 23, early uh, 24 published. It's it's a little bit of a tough market out there for for HR um, professionals. And as you mentioned, you know, a lot of across the board, people kind of can, can, can squeeze what that headcount looks like in a lot of different areas. So general question for you, if you were, you know, were somebody earlier on in your career, either looking to start, you know, an HR people career out of college or out of high school, or you're looking to make a career pivot, like what's a, what's a good place to start? What's a good place to think about? Yeah. I think for me, some of the fundamental like characteristics or, or things that make a good HR person is just natural curiosity. And so for me, it's not so much like you start in a specific role, but like, are you curious about what you're doing? Or are you just like, you know, you got to understand the context and the bigger picture. And I'll give an example of like, you know, every day people in HR deal with employee relations experience. And so at its surface level, you could have an answer like that person should go on a pit, right? Or whatever your standard HR answer is. is. But a good HR practitioner digs in and understands what are the dynamics that employees going through? Uh, how is the manager doing? And sort of tries to get a full picture. Are there things that have changed, goals that have changed? Why is this employee seemingly underperforming? And so that natural curiosity to ask questions is something that like just dig, 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 right? Um, and I think so, you know, you can do that in any role, in any spot that you're in. And so don't wait for the destination. Like if I had waited to get into the destination of HR, I would have been way behind. I would have missed eight plus years of opportunity to learn things that I actually do in my everyday now. And so don't wait until you're in HR to do HR. HR is more than just HR. It's about people and environment and context and uh, relationships. And you can do all those things no matter what role you're in. Um, and then it's about how you sort of package it up and and sell it. So that's my biggest advice to people is like, you want to get into HR? First of all, Godspeed to you. It's uh, it's not for the faint of heart. I know that you know I talked a lot about the things that I'm passionate um, passionate about, but you know it can be a hard profession, it can be a draining profession. I know many of us are tired after the last like three four years, and then this year it's not been like, I'm just kind of all dragging around. So we all have hope for 2024, but yeah, it can be a, a little bit of a draining profession. So you have to you have to really want to just stick with it. Yeah, yeah, it's well. It's well said, Kelly. And then I guess maybe a follow-up in the last question here. Um, for folks that are that are early on in their HR career and that think they might be interested in, in kind of the the path to to leadership or executive leadership, do you have any um, advice for them? 
Yeah, spend some time in every part of the functions of HR, right? So I, you know, if you look back upon my career, you know, I started off in contract recruiting. So I had great, you know, recruiting experience through my EA role, ran that learning and development program. So there was sort of a programmatic L&D aspect. I never spend time in comp, but that, you know, but it's really helpful to spend time in each of these functions because as an executive now, I'm not necessarily in the day-to-day weeds, but I'm guiding teams that are. And so I need to have general understanding of those pieces. Um, you know, I have some weak spots in mind. Benefits is probably one of them. But I think as an executive, you then bring in people that are the subject matter experts um, and rely on them, but also don't ever rely too much, like inspect, ask questions poke around. So yeah, I think for anyone who's in HR, don't be afraid to take a lateral stint in another function. If you want to go up, sometimes you just have to go lateral before you can go up. Well, Kelly, this has been a whole bunch of fun. I know uh, I've been I've been on you for a long time and you've been super busy um, with, uh, with with all that you're doing, but uh, we appreciate you coming on the pod and, and really appreciate you as a, as a BHRCer and as a friend. Yeah, no, you guys, thanks for having me. I always... Uh... I always enjoy talking to you, and I'm hopeful that uh, I can see you at a lot of BHRC, BHRC events this year. It's, this year has been no fun in terms of getting getting out there, but I think next year is going to be a little bit of a different year. So I look forward to seeing everybody there, too. Yeah, maybe when we're there, we'll, uh, we'll whip some shitties out there together next time. We're gonna... uh, maybe not. You, maybe that could be our next BHRC event. Maybe. A little snow maybe in February. We can just get in some cars and whip some shitties. sounds not safe we need waiters right (laughs) and not really kelly style but i mean we should we should note on the podcast kelly is the reigning bhrc council member of the year so i mean oh yeah guys i can mess around we got oh there it is that loud and proud you guys loud and proud yeah but it's a great it's a great community i'll i'll tell you guys the amount of connections i've made through that um has been really awesome and so a lot of the chief people officers um are people that like we text on the side we email we like ping ideas off of so you know i don't know if anyone ever maybe i'm sure everyone tells you that but like i've made some really meaningful connections and gotten a lot of like valuable guidance from my peers and that's really a testament to you guys setting up a great community so thank you well on that note kelly thank you very much we'll uh look forward to seeing you later in 2024 sounds good thanks you guys Let's take a second think back. Think back. My, 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 my physical frame is celebrated because I made it.